1: the Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for February 9th, 2021. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed or on our own dedicated RSS feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. If you would like to donate to the show, there's no obligation whatsoever. Just click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to RedCircle.com. You click the link that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. Again, no obligation whatsoever, but I would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Joined as always by Case Low and Case. What a interesting week of Dragon Gate to talk about this week. How are you?
0: Oh man, I'm fine. This Cork and Hall show happened four days ago from when we're recording, and I still don't know what to make of it. It is one of the stranger Cork and Hall shows I think Dragon Gate has ever produced.
1: Yeah, so that's gonna be it for the ledger this week. There's no shows. This upcoming week, the next time they'll be making Dragon Gate Network will be on the 21st. Is They're doing a rare two nights in Kyoto. I can't remember the last time they've had two nights in Kyoto in a month.
0: I believe they did it in July for the the first shows with fans. Yeah, but other than that, no, I don't remember the last time they did that.
1: That shows you where my memory is at. I can't remember something from July.
0: Oh my goodness, Mike, you
1: can't remember Dragon Gate's July schedule off the top of your head. What's wrong with you? I mean, I dedicate so much my dumb brain to Dragon System just lore and random stuff there that I should remember that, oh, yeah, when they restarted, they had two shows. It was, January, it was July 4th and July 5th, and it was Return of Suji Kondo's promotion. Like, that's enough. That should be, like, kind of notched in my dumb brain in one way or another.
0: Yeah, well, you know, we can't win them all. I obviously have the superior memory. I remember that they ran two shows in Kyoto at the beginning of July because I you know, arguably planned the first week of July around it. I was so excited for Dragon Gate to have fans back. And now, what is it? Uh, seven months later, we're dealing with this batshit crazy Truthgate show. I think that's the way I want to describe it.
1: No, that's entirely fair way to describe it. It was on the 5th. Uh, you It'll be up on the network until the 12th, so you'll have another 24 hours, and... Yeah, let's just get into the show. Attendance was up five ninety. It was five ninety eight instead of five fifty five forty eight. No one's really drawing that well right now. And Dragon Gate's coming off of a double header there, and we had this really bizarre show that happened that just let's try to wrap our heads around this case. Well, let, let, I have let me say th-
0: one thing real quick about the attendance on this show because what, what was the number again?
1: Five ninety eight.
0: Five ninety eight. Which. I mean that's, you know, again I haven't put any thought or effort into Dragon Gate's attendance during the pandemic, you know, let alone New Japan, Big Japan, Noah whoever. 598 seems like a respectable number for the limited capacity Korakins they're running, but I wanted to to briefly mention that Dragon Gate was featured on an NHK segment on the news, the Japanese Broadcasting Corporation, which is public broadcasting in Japan, did a, a big feature—not a big feature, but a feature on Drangate this past week with interviews with Yamato and Toru Kido, the president of Drangate, with Kido saying in a translated interview— I'm grateful that we can bring in customers, so I think we have to respond to the changes. Sales have fallen, but we've managed to overcome this predicament, and the number of customers was full. So I'm assuming that translation means they sold about as many tickets as they could afford this Cork and Hall show. And Keto then re-emphasized that he wants to do his best until or he wants to do his best until the day when I can retire, essentially. So it's some borderline mainstream coverage for Dragon Gate, which just you know coming off the tokyo sports awards it's it's very funny that this is the news coverage that they're getting and not the i don't know the wrestling journalist covering them
1: i mean like let's look at it this way you know my theory about tokyo sports awards if you're not conglomerate and you're you're not getting much there but i was more interested the way he says until the day i retire and i'm like buddy maybe plans have changed but i think that you originally were going to be there for five years, and that was starting in 2018, and you were going to hand off the company in 2023. I thought it was going to be happening a little sooner, but, you know, nice to have Yamato and President Kido out there for that. I did not know that happened until you brought that up.
0: Yes, I, I can I can send you the link to put in the episode description if you'd like. The, the, the full translation is, I want to do my best until the day when I can put in, which I'm assuming is... A Google translated version of retirement, but I, I I could be incorrect. So if I am, please correct me on Twitter. But yeah, some some mainstream coverage, they had a lot of different uh, video from this Cork and Hall show some footage of La Australia, some footage of Yamato, some footage of Takashi Yoshida, and Masaki Mochizuki, and then uh, brief talking head interviews with both Kido and Yamato so uh, we didn't get any concrete information they didn't talk about numbers but they were featured in an article talking about live event and concert attendance and they were the only wrestling group mentioned in said interview
1: hey then Didn- didn't decide to go for the market leader there that's cool especially considering NHK is based out of Tokyo so they must have really just recorded it at Cork that day because they were back on the road and you know, they only stay in Tokyo to do the shows and get out.
0: Yeah, no, the, uh, the interviews with Kido and Yamato are in the bleachers of Corkin Hall. It's a very pretty backdrop.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that might have been like the uh, more... <sighs> this Corkin is weird. Like, you've said it, i said it, your reviews on VoicesOfWrestling.com talk about it as well. Just, I have my theory that I'm going to put out here about this. that I haven't told you this theory. They have another Corkin before Champion Gate. So this was the pieces moving, trying to think, put things into place for the rest of the build up to Champion Gate. So it kind of felt like that. And then you also the fact that the show had to be two hours on the dot. So they kind of decided to go heavy on talking and not so long in match times. Like the match times on the shows are actually surprising how short some of the matches were. And it's something that like with how weird the show felt, a lot of pieces moving here. Some things that were continuing, some things that were kind of kicking up with this here and ultimately the big plan about the show and i think like the big thing overall is we've been speculating about this for a little bit case but uh yama kid gun is now a thing and they have added binkai and KSK akuda so really this show other than like putting in places that they're going to follow up for the remainder of the month as they lead into champion gate that seems to be like what they're trying to get across here what, am I off base and thinking that?
0: No, and I think that's probably a good place to start. We can probably work from the main event and then down the card, because this show ends with Yamato, Dragon Kid, Ben Kang, Kaisuke Akuda forming a unit, which is the true ace of the promotion, Yamato, one of the most protected acts in Dragon System history and Dragon Kid. It is the Open the Brave Gate champion, Kaisuke Akuta. And then a former Open the Dreamgate champion main event top line star in Ben K. That is a crazy loaded unit. And I would be very curious, Mike. I don't want to speculate too much. I would be very curious if this was the direction all along. Or if perhaps Dragon Gate took a look at their main event scene and made a pivot and made sure that they had a unit full of stars and more importantly with Yamato and Dragon Kid stars that could talk.
1: Yeah and this was something that we've talked about as soon as Masquerade is formed and I think I was the person who brought up is like who are they going to have talking in shows in this unit and as we've seen they've kept that unit away from mic time other than uh shooting Skywalker winning matches and doing a conclusion there so you have two people who can really talk in Yamato and Dragon Kid and they have a good rapport together Kesuke Akuda is a pretty decent talker as well, and then I mean Ben's, Ben Ben Benke is Benke. You know, you don't need Benke to talk; he's there to stand and look pretty.
0: Yeah, so I, you know, I I think there's a lot that can be said about Masquerade and about Shun Skywalker in particular. As we closer to Champion Gate, because we're still a month out, and there's another Corkin Hall before we get to Champion Gate, which is the first time they've really scheduled stuff like this. It's very strange. I don't know what to make of that Quirken on on, a, on the surface level. We don't have a card, and we don't really know what's going to be on it, but yeah, I think we're going to see some real shuffling at the top of the card within these next few months. And uh, Yamato, Dragon Kid, Benkei, Akuda unit, obviously they're going to need one or two more guys to round that out. But that is, that is a loaded unit. I mean, that is crazy.
1: I mean, this is your super face unit. This is, like, think about Maximum as a super face unit with Doyoshi, that you could always say, like, all right, Maximum wins, and or if they lose, you could say, like, hey, we'll get them next time. Thank you all for coming. Now you have Yamato and Dragon Kid, you have, you have Okuda. You have Benke. Toss in like Yosuke Samaria. Toss in uh, Sora Fujikawa. Just toss in someone there to, to eat pens. And you're set. There, There's your super face unit. And Masquerade can go do what Masquerade wants to do. And you don't even have to take the title off Shin Skywalker to be honest. But you have your unit to close shows. And that's such an important thing for the promotion to have the super face unit. And a promotion that's based around a lot of talking and a lot of character interplay. You need to have that. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why Masquerade kind of has felt a little bit uneasy as of late, is that, you know, you, you had Natural Vibes do stuff, but it makes sense because Natural Vibes form, but now you have Focus pulled in other directions.
0: So if you look at the roster page right now, when you factor in this Yamato Dragon Kid Benkei Akuta unit, which will have a name debuted at the March Cork and Hall Show, the roster members currently without a unit are Ultimo Dragon, Masato Yoshino, Shuji Kondo, Strong Machine J, Yosuke Maria, Yasushi Kanda, Masaki Mochizuki, Don Fuji, Takashi Yoshida, Gamma Kagatora, Yuki Yoshioka, and Sora Fujikawa, then plus your part-timers like Problem Dragon, and Kenichiro Arai, and Oji Shiba, who is still on the roster page. So, yeah, I would say Maria's probably a safe bet, and then... You know, I mean, who knows if, if Gamma is going to be the last guy there, Fujikawa could return at any moment. There's a lot of moving parts there, but I- I'm very curious to see who rounds out that unit because whoever it is is going to have to be the fall post of that unit.
1: Yeah, unless and, and they're going to go with six, but with uh, RED still at this time having 10 members in it, you know, I there's going to be some movement on that end, and I wouldn't put probably someone from R.E.D. into that unit right away, especially the people who I think might be leaving R.E.D. And then you have the whole the whole thing of Team Boku with when uh, Naruki Doi comes back, I still think he'll be back within the next month. I'd be surprised if they hold him out of Champion Gate. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And, and then you have people that are just aren't going to be in units. Like, you you don't expect uh, Don Fuji or Masaki Mochizuki probably to be in a unit unless they're really going the full way with... Master, teach me how to do pro wrestling. You know? Like, like there's people here, but, I mean, there, there's certain people like, Kagator can get plugged in there, and he'd be fine there as well. Exactly. Like, there's a lot of options there.
0: Yeah, because you could ultimately, I wouldn't blink at the idea of a Mochi, Fuji, Yoshida, Strong Machine J combination with a, you know, a fifth member, whoever that may be. Like, if that happens, that wouldn't surprise me, but I don't necessarily think that's the direction that they're going. I think mochizuki and yoshida will be unaligned until they meet their fateful demise
1: yeah yeah so that was kind of the big story coming out of this uh the main event was huh interesting we have two main events really to talk about the first one ended within a minute with a mask rip, and then they restarted because dragon kid was not going to have it and quickly got a flash pin with a aided bible and set up two matches for the Corkin in uh, march so it's going to be Dragon Kid versus SP Kento, they're still playing up that feud. And then also you have Yamato and Kai. So, I mean, this did... I don't want to call this like a throwaway Corkin, but a lot of ways, this was like a table-setting Corkin, And the main event felt like it because they were already announcing two big matches for the next Corkin.
0: So, help me understand this, because I was... Uh, you know, Jay was on English commentary, and Jay did a tremendous job. But I couldn't exactly tell what he was saying was this main event shortened due to the time constraints was that was that made clear
1: i i watched this the uh, i watched this a couple days later so i wasn't really like looking at because there's there's clocks in court, and so you keep an eye on time and they still had a lot of talking so i feel like this match was always going to be this way to sit those two matches
0: Okay, that that's the impression that I got just from watching the product unfold. I know at one point during the main event, all three minutes of it, Jay referenced the curfew. I don't know if he was offhandedly saying, well, you know, Dragon Kid is in a hurry because of the curfew, or if he was specifically stating Dragon Kid is in a in a hurry because of the curfew. I, I'm not sure, I but I am under your line of thinking until I hear otherwise that this was the originally uh, planned main event.
1: Yeah, and my only reason why I don't think that this was, like, cut short was because they had this significant talking thing at the end of it. Like, they still talked for about a good seven minutes afterwards that if they were really pushing for, for a curfew, they would have cut it pretty quick, you know? I mean, they had enough time to get Yagi into the ring and officially make the matches.
0: Yeah, and it was, you know, again, not really a, a bad—it uh, was, it wasn't really—I I, you know, said in my, my review, I looked at this as an extended angle— It was a minute of wrestling before Dragon King got his mask ripped off, and it was two minutes of wrestling when he hit the Bible and pinned SPK. I think ultimately, and Mike was the one that put this together, we talked about this briefly before we went on the air, that I think you're going to see these four guys, and probably Kai, and, you know, insert six member here in the cage match in May, and... I would say the betting odds favorite at this point is SBK to lose his hair. I think that is a very safe bet at this point. Or I guess Kai was in this match. I I meant BB Hulk.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's how they're kind of setting things up for. This is about the time where you start seeing your first inklings of the cage risk match start to come together, especially because then they have basically two months to further submit things and apply whatever wacky stipulations they're going to for that. And, you know, Jay on commentary made a big point about the fact that Everyone is ready for them to make a return to Nagoya since they did not have their big match in Nagoya. And they made it in reference to SP Kento being a Nagoya native. So if you want to do a face turn, have a hometown guy lose in the main event, get his hair cut, and then see where he can go with SP Kento.
0: Yeah, I am still infatuated with the booking of SP Kento. To where, if you told me, you know, and, and this is highly unrealistic, but if you told me now, like, Case, you can get great odds on Yamato losing his hair in the main event, thanks to SP Kento, just given what we've seen over the past year, I'd be like, well, you know, let me, put a little, let me put a little bit of money on that just in case, because I can't entirely rule that out, even if there is a 99% chance that doesn't happen.
1: Let me further commit, convince you, Case, for a minute. You've noticed how long Yamato's hair has been getting since he's decided to cut his hair and keep it kind of short. It's been, a—it's been what, nine years since he lost a hair match? It's been a while, to quote my favorite band, Stained. <laughs> Let
0: me see the lighters out there, Biloxi. <laughs> Fred Durst is so cool. Just, I just want to make that clear in the first 20 minutes
1: of this podcast that we are very, very pro-Fred Durst. I, I mean, that. Uh, Jacksonville Florida's favorite son I mean he embodies that city more so than I could argue most people in Florida other than maybe Pitbull in Miami
0: I think that is a fucking fantastic Bill Simmons tier take oh my god that's so good <laughs> Mike uh, but yeah look I I can't rule it out I would be stunned if the cage match involves six people that aren't included in this match. I think Dragon Kid, Yamato, Kai, and SB Kento are locks for a hair versus mask cage match in May, and it's just a matter of finding the other two guys to plug in there. So, you know, for what it was, I don't think it was bad. I obviously, when I sit down and watch a Dragon Kid Corrigan Hall show, I want that four and a quarter star, four and a half star main event. But I understand why they did this, and I thought it came across strong enough and they you know i i have such trust with their booking that i don't i don't really mind it i think if another promotion was doing this i would raise an eyebrow and go huh i don't know but this is coming from drangate who had a nearly flawless 2020 i think it's appropriate to say we'll let this play out
1: yeah and i would say also the fact that they already said like okay this is what we're doing next month based off this thing means that they're not just doing aimless booking here exactly like, like things are things are planned out uh working our way back the semi-event we had the official reveal of natural vibes the first ever real unit to get rebooted it was kz susumi Yokosuka, and ut versus the unaligned at the time team of suji kondo Benkei, and kagatora the fall was kz submitting uh kagatora with the spider twist in 13 minutes and 11 seconds and we got to see the dance again the dance is back. We have a new version of Party Anthem that, as soon as it's available, I need to redo the entrance, the intro to open the voice gate anyways. I need to get the new version of uh, Party Anthem for that. But I'm happy to see Natural Vibes back. Like, for people who think that dancing is, is pointless and pulls away from Mac, no, it just happens and it, it ends, and then you have a great six-man six tag match. I thought this was the best match on the show.
0: Mike, let me take you back in time to a date that kind of lives in infamy as it was May 6th, 2018, and sandwiched in between an incredibly awkward Big Ben versus A10 T Hawk match and an incredibly awkward Still Cage match where Al Lindemann wrestled Masaki Mochizuki, punched Tamanaga, Shingo, Yamato, Yasushi Kondo, and Ryo Saito. There was an Open the Triangle Gate match that stole the show. With maximum of Jason Lee, Masayoshi, Yoshino, and Naruki Doi losing the belts to the debuting Natural Vibes, Genki Horiguchi, KZ, and Susumi Yokosuka. Almost three years have passed since then. KZ is weirdly leading now the 2.0 version of this unit with the same name and with the same colorways, even though they all have different gear now. KZ... Is he in a better, worse, or the same spot than he was in May of 2018?
1: I would say better because of how strongly he's been booked on major shows. I would say, I mean, he got his first uh, Big Five main event last year. He had that tremendous single series that he had. And I think that, I would say that he's in a better place because if you think about 2018, he's only really coming off that one first February match against Misaki Mochizuki. And then you take it three years later, he had the match against PAC. He had a match against Naruki Doi. All these great singles matches, including the one that sold the show at Kobe World 2019 of Shun Skywalker. Was that Shun or was that? Yeah, that was Shun. That was Shun. I think. Yeah, that was Shun. I think he's in a better place. I mean, yeah, it does feel like that for the big, hazy diehards, you're wondering, when is my time going to come? When is he going to get a run here? And maybe you'd ding him for that. But I would look at where he is now versus where he was at Dead or Alive 2018 as he's doing better like is it demonstrably better maybe not but i think that he's added to his resume to a level that i mean think about where he was coming out of the match of misaki mochizuki case like he immediately quit the unit everyone's like they're giving kz a unit let's see how this goes and it's a dancing unit the first dancing unit and dragon gate really since bb hulk stopped dancing and since then, I think that he's been on an upward trajectory. I, 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 There's not a lot of evidence to me to say that he's in a worse place.
0: That last point there is the key. And I, and I think, and I'm not knocking anybody specifically. I want to make that clear. There's, I have no one in mind when I say this, but I think there are going to be some people that look at these results on paper. They see that this natural vibes thing is going forward and that it doesn't appear to be an elaborate ruse to get Casey to turn, at least not yet. And they are going to say that Casey is lacking upward mobility, that he's lacking trajectory up the card, and I think that is ridiculous because, as you just said, in 2018, it was, let's give KZ a unit and let's see how this goes. And now it is definitively, if it wasn't Natural Vibes 2.0, it would be another unit under another name, but it would be KZ's unit. And the next time that he challenges for the Dreamgate title, whenever that may be, there's a very good chance that he wins that Dreamgate title, and that was not the case in 2018.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was the cork in defense of the year then.
0: And now I think he's, you know, a a big five guy, which is, uh, you know, just huge. So it's weird. I, I just, I don't really understand why they had to revert back to natural vibes, but they sell a ton of merch, the entrance is over, and I also just think it is the perfect use of UT.
1: Well, yeah, you had UT and Kondo picking up where things left off when they weren't able to face each other at Kobe World. Which which
0: Jay did a tremendous job of putting over on commentary.
1: Yeah, I mean, when we were talking about the matches they're having in November, these two guys, like, Kondo is in his element whenever he gets to throw someone around, and UT, as long as you don't break him, he's good at being thrown around.
0: Yeah, no, this was my match that night. I was at three and three quarter stars on this. It was it was exactly what it should have been. UT and Kondo did a majority of the heavy lifting, and then KZ came in and, and, and cleaned up the pieces and put that spider twist on Kagatora, who yelled in agony in a way that was either a tremendous sell or what I am led to believe that this submission just sucks and that nobody wants to be put into the spider twist. But this was a super fun match.
1: Well, Case, do you have you ever done yoga in your life?
0: Have I done yoga? So that's an interesting question. When I moved into this apartment, I took a yoga mat with me that was in my parents' house that was not being used. And for the first week and a half when I was here, I was doing yoga by Candice videos on YouTube. But they were low intensity and I really would just call it more of like extreme stretching than I would yoga. And then I got a
1: job where I wake up at five in the morning and now I no longer do that. I was gonna say like I'm just imagining like it, if you do like yoga like a lot of like the twisting at least for me but also I'm an old man now but it the twisting it like bothers me a lot I imagine the spider twist sucks like your body's being contorted it's not one of those things where it's like yeah if, if you really crank back on this or no your, your body's being twisted in this move well, it, so yeah and, I, and I, what I, what I learned
0: from my week and a half of stretching was that I hold a ton of tension in my hips and I am someone and I'm, I'm, I'll am i be 22 The day after this podcast comes out, it's my birthday week, Mike, Uh, but I have an incredibly bad back. My lower back is constantly in pain, and I kind of learned through my brief time, like I said, extreme stretching, that I think a lot of it is in my hips, and I started doing these hip-related stretches that made me feel so much better, so maybe I need KZ to put me in the spider twist. Maybe he can get me stretched out.
1: KZ has a future. He just needs to hook up with Milano after he <laughs> yeah. retires. And they could both have their massage slash chiropractor uh, parlor using Yave. Oh, I think that would work. what
0: I would do for a KZ versus Prime Milano singles match.
1: Oh, boy. Oh, boy. But, yeah, I was four stars on this, case. I love this. Like, this is, like, the stuff that whenever I see, I'm like, all right, this is why I love Dragon Gate. Was it a—this is, is this not going to be a match that comes close to, like, my top ten matches in Dragon Gate for the year. But you had, like, great chemistry. It was 13 minutes long. Ben K found a tanning bed between the shows that were happening, Fukuoka and and which, thank you. Thank you, Ben. We all think I'm glad that you're able to tan again. Apparently, uh, post-concussion syndrome does not preclude you from tanning. And it was just a great time. And then we had our, we had the fourth match on the show. This was a unaffiliated versus RED tag. It was Misaki Mochizuki and Takashi Yoshida versus Ada and BB Hulk bb hulk won in the preview match with a first flash on Takashi yoshida and then during this match afterwards there was twin gate promos kind of just hyping up the upcoming twin gate match at champion gate and the finish came when kai came to interfere and that led into the the first flash and to be honest it was something where like this match like i went three flat this is as close to a gentleman's three dragon gate match as one can have. But you just kind of like go through this, especially on a show like this, that I knew like this was going to be like this kind of match here. You have two guys that I like Hulk probably more so than others, but also Yoshida's there. And, and I think I'm pretty well on paper about my opinion on Takashi Yoshida in 2021, just kind of there.
0: Yeah. I thought the match was no good. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was, you know, a three-star special and, I just I I have no read on where Mochizuki and Yoshida is going to go because history has told us time and time again that Takashi Yoshida will turn on Masaki Mochizuki eventually, and I don't know if this time if that's the right story to tell. Like I I mean I think and we'll talk champion gate predictions next week and especially the week after. I think they're winning the belts at Twin Gate or at, at Champion Gate rather. I think they're gonna beat Hulk and Kai and. I'd be okay with that just for the sense of like, oh, well, at least they're not doing the immediate turn. I still think the live crowd is super into this, so I I have to give them that, but I am starting to lose patience with this angle.
1: Yeah, and it gets the titles away from the triangle of pain, basically, so I'm okay with that. It's something that, like, the t-shirts sell. The whole uh, Takashi Yoshida, master, please teach me pro wrestling thing sells and the acts over. So we are secondary here on it. It's just one of those things that's just not going to be my kind of my cup of tea, to be honest.
0: No, and I think if it was anybody but Yoshida, we would be into it, but it's, it's just Yoshida. We have to treat that with kid gloves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of was there, but luckily before that case, we had another masquerade versus R.E.D. special it was the entirety of Masquerade, Sheen, Skywalker, Kota Minora, Jason Lee, and La Estrella versus the R.E.D. team of Kaido Ishida and his big bullies of Kazuma Sakamoto, Hip Hop, Kakuda and Diamante. Ishida got the fall with the ankle lock on Jason Lee, which I called case. I called that. And nine minutes and, or eight minutes and 27 seconds.
0: Yeah, you give this match a few more minutes and it is easily making my spreadsheet. We talked about this, I think, two weeks ago. The idea of if you were doing the Dragon Gate Six Man in America right now, what match would you book? And I think it is easily at this point for as good as Natural Vibes is, for as exciting as this new Super Face Unit is, it's R.E.D. versus Masquerade. If you're talking about match quality, and you can book, you know, Ashita, S.P.K., and, and Kakuta against whoever you want. Really, any combination of R.E.D. outside of Hulk and Kai and I think you're safe, and then obviously against any combination to Masquerade, because these matches are just so crisp.
1: Yeah, like, Kazuma Sakamoto, as I put on on Twitter, has made his way into the argument to be in the theoretical six-man six tag. He was great in this.
0: Well, and I think the other guy that has is Diamante, who played a really interesting role in this match, because they once again focused on his interactions with La Estrella, and... Estrella has a moment where they get lost. They kind of go to do that Lucha shoulder bump. And they they just, you can tell their wires get crossed. They don't really know what they're going to do next. And it's the first real moment of awkwardness that we've seen from Estrella. It took him two months, but he finally had a visible, like, ooh, that's, I can tell that's not what he meant to do. But they recovered. And then, of course, the next spot is just that completely insane pop-up twisting head scissors move that Estrella did that was all over my Twitter account on Friday when he did the move. So even when Estrella messes up, he recovers very quickly. I was at three and a half only because the match was so short, I wanted a
1: lot more of this. Yeah, I was three and three quarters. It was as close as I could get really to wanting to give a four-star match. Like like again, this is a comp DVD. Like all these matches are tremendous. If you're someone who wrestles a certain style, if your wrestler is listening to the show, And you like see like how these matches flow. Like this is a this is gonna be like one of those like matches and and, like these storylines that I'm gonna go back to. And I think this stuff will live up, especially like when you see like Lestrada. I was a little bit more down on his debut than you were. I thought that the version of the Libra he did against Asumu looked really weak. But ever since then, even like I didn't even pick up on that show that shoulder like tackle spot. But I think he's been a star and he's been building and he's been showing more and more confidence and I think that's the thing with like the the wires getting crossed there is that you would think that someone who's still two months in their career would get kind of frazzled there nope he just goes back and does an insane head scissors
0: yeah I talked about it last week I talked about it in my review he's the system quarterback right now I compared him to Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers on paper where you know Herbert had bunch of head-scratching decisions, and I apologize to our European listeners, you're going to have to hear me talk about American football for a second, Herbert went through this season making a bunch of dumb decisions, especially in close games, now I think part of that could have been put on his coaching staff, but also he was just a rookie quarterback, you know, it's going to happen, but Herbert showed this like, oh my god, is this the second coming of Brett Favre potential at points, which to me makes everything worth it, like I'll deal with the headaches, and Estrella, again, I don't think he's ever even going to be in the Dreamgate picture, but he's he's just a special talent, and I just want to see more and more of him, so I will take those little blunders, because his high points are just electric right now.
1: And you know what's going to be really interesting with him? Is when we get to May, after Dead or Alive, if you put him into King of Gate, and assuming that they go back to the Round Robin format, the kind of block you could put him in with people that I think would be really interesting to see, one, if they have the... Resolve to put him in King of Gate seven months after he debuts, six months after he debuts. But also, like, who do you pair up against La australia as a guy who's still, I mean, he will be less than 100 matches into his career. Like, how would you prepare him for that? And I think that's something that I find at least really interesting to see and something that I'm going to keep an eye on as we get closer to King of Gate.
0: That's a super interesting point. If I were to bet on it now, I would say he is not in King of Gate this year, but come 2022, he'll probably be in the mix.
1: Yeah, especially since they're probably not going to be doing a knockout where you need people to get wiped out in the first round. You know, If so. he's in
0: it, I think that'd be awesome, but I that would be a real sink or swim environment where I, I don't know if he's there yet, where I think you could put Kakuta and SB Kento and Kamei in there, and I think they would do great. Estreo, I would I would be very careful with who was in his block because he hasn't yeah. he hasn't touched the uh, Yasushi Kondas of the world. He hasn't been in there with Punch Tomonaga or even somebody like Yosuke Santa Maria, who's a very capable wrestler. He's been in there with the top brass, and that's why he's looked so good. And it's to be clear, smart booking. That's the way it should be done. Okay, he shouldn't ever touch Kanda in his career, and that's no disrespect to Kanda. He's just he's not exactly Kaito Ishida out there. Uh, but yeah, they're they're putting him in spots to succeed, which I think is super important, and I think King of Gate could possibly expose him to some extent.
1: Yeah, and speaking of Kaido Ishida, I thought it was really interesting this match. They start with the RED flying start where they're attacking during the introductions, except for Kaido Ishida, where he just goes face to face with Shun Skywalker and they start teeing off each other. We got promos between the two building up their Dreamgate match at Champion Gate and I'm really liking this build, but you've, you've planted the seed. I think it's been kind of deliberate of you. Maybe you might be wish casting a little bit, wanting a title change here, but Kaido Ishida has become a very interesting person coming to this first ever Dreamgate title match.
0: Well, Kaido Ishida is becoming a dangerous man. I don't know if you saw on Twitter today, but he was training in Osaka with the K one fighter Hiroki who has a K one GP. I guess that's a tournament uh, coming up on March 28th in Budokan hall. So, Ashita brought out the big guns for this. I am going to save any Ashita Skywalker thoughts for next week, if not the week after, but I will ask you this. Percentage-wise, is it a 50-50? Is it a 60-40? Is it a you know a 30-70? What percent chance does Ashita have of winning at Champion Gate in your mind?
1: At this moment, as we record on February 9th, Twenty five percent.
0: Very interesting.
1: Okay, we will we will circle
0: back to that next week, Mike.
1: Absolutely, and I'll say this: gamification for it. Not very many people win in their first Dreamgate challenge. I mean, Aita winning in his first Dreamgate challenge was a big deal, and he, I had to look at ages, but I think he would be younger than Yamato winning with zero keys beforehand.
0: That sounds correct because Yamato is. I think a little bit older than people realize and he wasn't really in that DreamGate picture until 2009-2010. So uh yeah, there be sure to check out on voiceofwrestling.com as well as this podcast. We're going to do plenty of Champion Gate and Osaka coverage this year. I am working on a piece already about the upcoming Skywalker and Ashita match because I think it's super interesting, but we're a month away from that show, so I'm going to hold off on my talking points.
1: Yep, it's going to be real interesting too wrestlers under the age of 25 i don't think shun turned 25 yet or ishida headlining that but then we get into the openers of the card and they were kind of there to be quite honest but we must talk about them tag team match ginky horikuchi and Kenichiro orai lose to another unaffiliated team Keisuke okuda and yosuke San Maria. okuda got the win with his cross songbreaker in eight minutes and one second uh it was there it kind of meandered actually
0: yeah, I mentioned to you, I thought it was really funny that Akuda was going from wrestling the rubber band man, not T.I., but Punch Tamanaga with the way he bends and slithers around the ring, to wrestling Kenichiro Rai, who looks like he could break in half at any moment. But yeah, no, not, not a memorable match, not a very good match. Uh, I, I, you know, I. I think they're going to do Akuda versus Hio at the first Champion Gate show, judging from Okuda's Twitter today, and from the booking of Hio, who was absent on the show, and I think that will be a super interesting match if that's the route they decided to go.
1: Yeah, so after the match, Hio came out, did the uh, Bobby Hill special, asked, told him that to give him back his purse, kicked him low, and got, and got on the microphone, and that does seem like that's going to be the Brave Gate match-in with how Heo has been booked, and he's not been on a lot of shows over the last few weeks, but when he's on a show, he will win with the Bobby Hill special, and it's been kind of funny.
0: And just for our listeners at home, to pull a Norm MacDonald here, could you
1: explain the Bobby Hill special? So, the most accurate show about the state of Texas is the Mike Judge cartoon, King of the Hill. And one of the big moments in the show that's kind of, like, gone past the show because the show's been off air, I think, for, like, almost a decade now, was an early episode where Bobby Hill is being bullied and he decides that he needs to go and learn (laughs) self-defense. He signs up, and this is a sign of the times, and this is a sign of the culture, signs up for a women's self-defense course where they teach you immediately that the line was, Give me back my purse, I don't know you, and you kick them in the groin. Jay was the first one to say it, and I'm just... We're going to call it the Bobby Hill special. If Jason Mowell listens to this, call it the Bobby Hill special if he does it ever again. It's tremendous.
0: Which, of course, led to the scene where Bobby and Hank were boxing in the garage. Bobby kicked Hank low. And then Hank woke up to Bill Dautrieve yelling, You have been kicked in the testicles. Which is one (laughs) of the funniest lines in television history. Uh, Big King of the Hill fan. I, I adore that show.
1: Whenever people ask me what growing up in Texas was like, I say... Do you watch King of the Hill? It's like, oh, yeah, that cartoon. I was like, yeah, no, that's a cartoon, but it's the most realistic depiction of Texas in the 90s and early 2000s, but just not weird enough.
0: I think the strongest King of the Hill episode, I will say the strongest first half of an episode because it kind of falls off a cliff towards the end, but the episode where Hank makes Bobby join a youth group and it's the (laughs) radical New Wave pastor who skateboards, uh, it is my favorite it's my favorite thing it's it's like the first 15 minutes of that episode it's some of the best tv i've ever seen again the ending is not entirely satisfying but bobby hill walking around going praise him with his satan sucks t-shirt is (laughs) tremendous writing
1: bobby hill is one of the best tv characters of all time is what we're saying my favorite bobby hill moment is when the new york style deli comes to town (laughs) and he gets really into uh salted meats and he develops gout, and Connie, his girlfriend at the time, explaining this for the people who have not watched King of the Hill, his next door neighbor Connie was his girlfriend, and there was going to be the big middle school dance. He has gout, and he has a rascal scooter, and he, he really loves being lazy, because Bobby Hill is a very lazy child, and loves eating uh, gefilte fish and other like very like preserved and salted and lied things, and develops gout until he gets to a point where he w- decides to skip the dance, but He has a change of heart. He tries to go down the hill, but the battery goes out. He throws the rascal scooter and gets into the dance while he is suffering from gout.
0: Well, you know, my fellas listening will understand this situation. I had a girlfriend for a while who, I you know, we'd be like, you know, what do you want to watch on TV? And I'd be like, well you know, King of the Hills on Hulu, obviously we should watch that. And she'd be like, no, like, I, fuck, I don't want to watch fucking King of the Hill. And then I'd turn it on anyways. And then she'd be there laughing like an idiot about it. I'd be like, oh, really? You don't think this show's funny? She's like, I'm laughing because it's stupid. It's like, no, it's just King of the Hills, just tremendous television. Every character on that show is funny in their own way.
1: I will say for people who have not watched King of the Hill, as soon as uh, uh, Luann and Lucky get together and have a kid, That's probably where you can stop.
0: This is true. The last, I don't know, three seasons or so, not essential viewing.
1: No, no, but the finale, tremendous finale. Exactly. One of the better finales. It's just, you know, they kind of go back onto the overriding theme of the show. Just excellent. Uh, I still think it's one of the best uh, comedies and cartoons of all time. I completely agree. And thank you all for listening to the King of the Hill corner, which will happen every time that Hio does the Bobby Hill special. The opener was Team Boku, uh, Ryo Saito, Bokutomo Dragon, Punch Tomonaga versus Ultimo Dragon, Don Fuji, and Gamma. The fall was Bokutamo Dragon doing the Bokutomo style La Maestra on Gamma in 9 minutes and 27 seconds.
0: Yeah, I am still entertained by Bokutamo Dragon, and that is the best thing I can say about this opener. I am still laughing at these signature spots, at this time with Ultimo and Bukaltimo doing the Andre Hogan stare down, it was good enough for me.
1: You, you know, I wish, that's like the one thing I kind of wish was a little bit different with the Dragon Gate Native fan base is you know that Hulk, you, you know that Bukutimo has watched his Hulk Hogan tapes. He is someone that loves WCW, so if he would have done like the shake and then the you point at him, it would have been tremendous.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's tremendous. Again, I don't really know where it's going. I don't know how long it's going to last. I, I'm i starting to feel like I've seen the hits, and I kind of know where things are going, but it's it's only been two months, and I think I have to be a little bit more patient with it. So I hope they continue to team on the small shows, and I hope they continue to wrestle, wrestle against one another on the big shows. I think that's a fun dynamic, and I thought they played into that well here.
1: You, you know... Masato Yoshino said I want you all to do a full tour of the country doing this and they still that that means that they have announced the the Hokkaido triple shot in May we might be seeing this until May
0: yeah that would not surprise me at all and that's that's about the timeline I was expecting which if I put that in my head then I'm okay with
1: yeah it's just one of those things uh also worth noting as we're kind of done at the show review they, they had tour they, they were on tour this week uh The only thing really of note that I saw on tour is trying to find out what the exact town is that they were in, Kochi. That's it, Kochi, whereas uh, Masato Yoshino currently is uh, undergoing treatment in Kochi, I believe. I, I, I saw that it's like a place that he is going and he came out to the show and did the opening mic segment. I still think he'll be back for his homecoming show in Higashi Osaka, but that's kind of like the first kind of sight we've seen of Masato Yoshino, other than him wanting to watch... Uh, The Double Dragon Act.
0: Yeah, so that is everything that's going on in Dragon Gate right now. And we'll be back next week with, what, a preview of the Kyoto shows. Hopefully, hopefully those cards are out by then. We'll talk some Champion Gate. There's nothing new on Dragon Gate Network right now. So watch that Cork and Hall show and then watch some King of the Hill.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone should, King of the Hill is one of those shows that is very close to my heart. Uh, I'm right now, before we log off for the episode. Log off. Before we end the show. Uh, to, just just to see if anything... If they've announced anything that could be coming up on the network over the next little bit. Uh, th- th- they have a couple of the uh, DCs coming up. They have a Infinity episode of... Oh, they're up in September there. We might know... Because the, by the time we'll talk about that, we'll talk about Kyoto. Never mind. I was going to say, they have the Tori 2000 uh, project show from uh, the beginning of January in 20, 2002. That's coming up this month as well. yeah, but nothing be, else is
0: really. They'll be uploaded on February 20th. It looks like the second T2P show, which I think the main event of that is the best match in T2P history. So we will be talking about that when it's uploaded.
1: Yep, one way or another, we'll be talking about that. But case I, th- so I know a couple of weeks ago we said this is going to be a short one, and then we ended up just talking about anything and everything. But I think this, that's about it for this week. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here?
0: No, this works for me. This was a, a good, compact episode with a, what I thought was a thorough Cork and Hall review.
1: Yep. And especially a Cork and Hall that just, a weird Cork and Hall. I'm actually really looking forward to the March show just so that I can, be a, can put the show back in my mind saying, oh, this was a table setting one. Well, as soon as that show happens, Case, I will be fine. It's just until then, it's going to be a head scratcher. Absolutely. Well, That'll do it for this episode of Open the Voice Gate. You can follow us on Twitter at Open VoiceGate. I'm at Fujiheya. Case is an underscore in your case. But for Case, I'm Mike. Thanks for listening to Open the VoiceGate. We'll be back next week. Take care.